Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And here we go! There's a man open left side, caught! Touchdown! Yes! 10-5! Touchdown! It's Touchdown at 10 with Russell and Medhurst. Alright, Touchdown at 10. It's a Friday. You know what it's all about. It's about... Previewing Washington and its upcoming opponent and going around the league. No one better than Jordan DeJani from CBS Sports to join us here on a Friday morning. Jordan, Pete, and Chris here in D.C. Appreciate a few minutes today. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, my friends. What's going on? Really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Absolutely, Jordan. Good to uh, be with you as well. You can make sure you check out Jordan's work at cbssports.com and follow him if you're not already doing so at Jordan DeJohnny. So um, let's start with this before we spin around the NFL. Uh, You're based in Nashville. You have some connections here uh, to the D.C. area, so you know these two franchises well. What's the biggest difference besides, well, Derrick Henry in your mind for – the plight of the Titans, who were the number one seed in the playoffs and threw up all over themselves last January to the Bengals, and of course the Commanders. Is it is it ownership? Because it seems like there's a wacky ownership situation down in Tennessee, or is it maybe the coaching staff where Mike Vrabel has seemingly done, by all accounts, a really good job? Yeah, I love it. I love that I feel like I'm playing double agent right now, right? I'm helping the Washington radio guys preview the Titans and the Titans radio guys preview Washington. Yeah, ownership is obviously a big difference when it comes to the Titans franchise and the Washington franchise. But when you ask me about the biggest difference in terms of how Tennessee's been able to get back on track after two embarrassing losses to open up the regular season, I look at the defensive side of the ball. I think that this front seven is playing juice which is something that they certainly were not playing in the first few weeks. I mean, the run defense looked atrocious against the New York Giants, yet they held Jonathan Taylor to just 2.1 yards per carry last Sunday in that victory over Indy on the road. So this Titans defense is playing a little bit better. I can't say the same for the secondary, but at least the run defense has gotten this team back on track. Jordan, for Tennessee right now, is there a hangover individually for Ryan Tannehill, who was absolutely distraught? with the way he played uh, in that playoff game. And despite a long offseason to try and get over it, almost appeared as if there was a smidge of a hangover early in the season. But maybe now that the season is getting going here, Derrick Henry's starting to find his best foot. And when he finds his best foot, that usually allows Tannehill to find a little more success as well. Is the trend heading in that direction? 
Yeah, that's a great point by you. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was very open about what he went through this offseason. He talked about having to go to therapy and, and crawl out of the dark the dark place that he got in um, with that loss against the Bengals. So that was a big question around Tennessee, right? Is Ryan Tannehill going to prove that he's still a legitimate signal caller? Is he going to be able to get over this mental hump? And at this point, I think that he has. It's no secret that this offense does not run through Ryan Tannehill. It runs through Derrick Henry. And you also have to factor in that he's working with a totally new wide receiving core, right? Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown is now a Philadelphia Eagle. Robert Woods wasn't on this team last year. Traylon Burks is a rookie, of course. So it's a very new look wide receiving core that Ryan Tannehill has had to adjust to. And I think he's been pretty solid. Um, he's throwing the ball really confident off of play action as well. And what quarterback wouldn't with Derrick Henry toting the rock? So I like what Tannehill's done so far. And it seems like this offense has started to find at least a little bit more of a groove compared to the first two weeks of action. And they've had some crippling injuries on both sides of the football, too. I mean, losing Taylor Luan as early as they did, uh, you know, for the year, losing uh, Harold Landry in training camp uh, for the year, and now Bud Dupree's banged up. Uh, I don't, uh, he hadn't practiced this week. Did he miss last week? I can't remember if he missed last week or not. But they've had, you know, again, every team's got injuries, but they've had some tough ones, too. And yet they seemingly are trending in the right direction, whereas, of course, the Commandalorians are trending in just the opposite. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think you really have to point to the coaching staff for that. I mean, the Titans are used to suffering these crippling injuries in the preseason, during the regular season, and as they make their playoff run. You look at what happened last year. They ended up the number one seed in the AFC despite playing with what was an NFL record-setting amount of different players due to injury. They didn't have Derrick Henry for half the year. Mm -hmm. Their defense was all banged up, yet this team still made it to the playoffs as the number one seed in the AFC. I think that says a lot about Mike Rabel, who I truly do believe is one of the best coaches in this league. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the replacements. Uh, Dennis Daly has to come in at left tackle. They're pushing Danico Autry from the inside to the outside to help make up for um, Harold Landry's loss. I think this team is doing a really good job of adjusting. And, yeah, you bring up a good point. It seems like they're finding that rhythm and playing their best football, um, even though that there's some crippling injuries on both sides of the ball. Jordan Dijani from CBS Sports joining us here as we talk uh, Commanders, Titans, plus uh, we'll take a tour around the league as well. Jordan, just from afar, uh, what's the view on the Commanders at the quarter poll here as they've not quite been whole, still missing Brian Robinson, who may or may not come back uh, this week, still missing Chase Young, uh, of course, which is a huge storyline here uh, in D.C. What's the, what's the uh, view from afar on the commanders here at the quarter pole? It's really tough because through the first two weeks of action, I was looking at this new Washington offense and saying, man, you know, this looks a little bit refreshed. They actually have some weapons to throw to, and, and Carson Wentz is making some solid throws as well. But as the offensive line crippled, that's when the offense crippled as well. I mean, I don't have to go into it. You guys have probably been talking about it all week with Chase Rouillet. Mm -hmm. Wes Schweitzer, Trey Turner got benched. Sam Cosme, I don't know what his status is going to be this weekend. That's obviously directly affected the play of Carson Wentz, and He's a guy, it seems like when you rattle his cage, you're going to have a good chance at beating this team as a whole. And I think that's really the biggest key to success for Tennessee on Sunday is to get to the quarterback. So the, the offense used to, used to look refreshed to me through the first two weeks. The defense has been absolutely abysmal, which is a big problem as well. Um, but Washington, to me, went from a very intriguing team to watch and keep an eye on uh, to what may be one of the worst teams in the league. 
Make sure you check out Jordan's work at CBSSports.com. Follow him, if you're not already doing so, at Jordan Dejani on a Twitter. Uh, all right, so let's. Pete and I spent much of the first hour talking about how atrocious that Thursday night game was. I think everybody understands uh, what we're talking about here. Um, where are you five games into Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett? Are you totally out, like there's no chance this is going to get better? Or do you think this is just kind of a, a an extended blip on the radar screen and eventually they'll figure it out? This is a disaster of what feels like epic proportions. I mean, last night's game felt like a blatant FCC violation with the kind of play that we were forced to watch. It was disgusting. I've never seen home fans rush for the exits yes. as their team was walking to the 50-yard yes. line for the overtime coin toss. Good point. That's, that's Good. never happened before. Especially in yes. Denver, Jordan. That's they, a loyal fan base oh there. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that. You're absolutely right. I forgot about that. It, it's terrible. And that's why it feels like I have to be totally out on this team because I've watched every Broncos game, and all they do is get booed at home, and nothing was different last night. I think it really says something that they not only went to overtime but lost to this Colts team, right? Matt Ryan does not look very good anymore. This wide receiving core has been very inconsistent. The defense is missing several starters. And, of course, now you don't have Jonathan Taylor. A Colts team without Jonathan Taylor may be the worst team in the NFL, yet they just scored a road victory over Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. I'm definitely teetering on there's no way this is salvageable at this point in the year. And I think blame, we can get into it, but I think the blame is both deserved to be placed on Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. It's not a one or the other thing. I think it's both that have led to these issues. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jordan, let me ask you this. Tom Brady was asked this this week about, you know, what's what's the story in the NFL right now? And Brady even said, and, and look, if it comes from Tom, it resonates a little more. There's just a lot of bad football that's being played out there right now. Would you concur with what Tom Brady has observed? Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because I definitely feel that way too. And, you know, something that I, I try to go look for a stat or something that would help me, you know, try to put this into words, and I, and I think I found it. Um, the, the unders, if you're a gambling guy, the unders this year are 36 and 27. And I think that games themselves between two teams are averaging about 42 points in weeks one through three. It feels like we weren't seeing as many points scored compared to last year or even in years previous. And you look at some of these teams that had high expectations, such as the Broncos, um, they've been absolutely abysmal. So I, I, I would agree with that. It definitely feels like the NFL is a bit different. It feels like there's more teams than usual trying to get their sea legs and trying to get going here in the regular season. Uh, well, we were just talking about that before you came on. So the per-game average is just for what it's worth. Uh, and again, pro football reference slightly differs from NFL Jesus. Uh, like per, per pro football reference, this year, per game average, 21.6 points per game, uh, I guess per game per team. Uh, last year, Jordan, 23.0, 2020, 24.8. So we are down just about three wow. points per game from 2020, not 2021, 2020. And last year was down from 2020 as well. So, I mean, we're down at two and a half points, a field goal, you know, per team, per game. That's I, That doesn't seem like a big difference, but that's a pretty big difference. 
That's a pretty significant difference. Pete's theory is, and I, I think he's right, you know, you get a lot of these quarterbacks who come in from college, they're playing the spread, they're not under center, they're not playing pro style, what have you, so they're struggling, and then the offensive line injuries seem to be like, pretty much across the board for every team. Like, we think it's just here in Washington or just with the Titans. It's every team is just ransacked with injuries on the offensive line. Yeah, I think that's a great theory, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I really didn't realize it, but, yeah, it seems like so many different teams are dealing with these offensive line injuries. And like I said, it kind of factors into, look at all these teams that we, we perceive to be contenders coming into this year. The Buccaneers have looked really gross. The Rams don't look like the reigning Super Bowl champions. The 49ers lost their starting quarterback and have Jimmy Garoppolo now. The Cardinals' Kyler Murray hasn't gotten off to a hot start. The Cowboys lost that Prescott. We can go down the line of all these teams we thought would be contenders that have struggled for one reason or another, and I think that would factor into your theory as well. Jordan Dejani, our guest from CBS Sports. Did we overvalue the AFC West? I mean, I think we all thought it was going to be gangbusters. <laughs> and so far, at least two elements of the division have underachieved. Um, did we did we overvalue the potential of that when we looked at the start of the season and go, wow, the worst quarterback in this division might be Derek Carr, and that's saying something pretty positive considering how well Derek played last year. We absolutely overvalued this division. We thought they were going to be the best division in the NFL. And it's kind of funny because if I were to ask you what's the worst division in the NFL, you would probably say the AFC South. And the AFC South absolutely kicked the, the AFC West, you know what, a couple of weeks ago. I think they scored three wins against them. I mean, you look at the Chargers. They were a team that I thought was a legitimate Super Bowl contender coming into this season. But injuries have, on both sides of the ball have completely dismantled them. The Denver Broncos, we've already talked about being a major disappointment. The Raiders had, had to fight very long to find that first victory, which came against the Denver Broncos last Sunday. And the Chiefs are still alone at the top, as they have been for the last seven years or so. We absolutely overvalued this division. We thought they could score three playoff teams at least, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Jordan Dejani with us. Uh, elsewhere around the NFC East, I mean, we know we know the Eagles are are, are really good. I don't think anybody would question that. I mean, maybe they got away with one a little bit last week. They were pushed uh, a little bit by Jacksonville, who, again, if they don't turn the ball over as much, maybe they win that game, what have you. Philadelphia's really good. Dallas, we think they're good. We know they're really good on defense. The Giants, I don't know, is still a mystery meat to me. Yeah, to be honest with you, where how do you kind of handicap and size up the division? Is it clearly Philadelphia and then Dallas uh, and then the Giants? Or is there an argument that can be made that the Cowboys, because of their defense and because they've done some of their three-and-one damage here without Dak, really the, the three wins, you know, is still right there on the one line with Philadelphia? You know, I would argue that the Eagles are, are the front runner right now in the NFC East. I have no problem saying that. This is something that I did not predict preseason, like so many, by the way. But I think the way that the Philly's been playing on both sides of the ball, right? We talk about the defense for the Cowboys that has really stood out. The defense for the Eagles has really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. I think that can serve as the legitimate backbone of this team, you know, as they progress through the regular season. The offense is going to get the headlines. And Jalen Hurts is going to get MVP hype. I get that. But I think what the Eagles are doing defensively is what really makes them a good team. Now, as for the Cowboys, I have to put them at number two because 
we don't know what this team's going to look like with Dak Prescott coming back. And listen, I'm not saying there's a quarterback controversy, controversy in Big D, but Cooper Rush has looked better at quarterback than Dak Prescott did through the first three quarters of the regular season where the Cowboys mastered just three points. So I think it's kind of a question mark to see what Dallas is really capable of once they get Dak Prescott under center. We'll have to wait to see that. As for the Giants, what you described them as mystery meat, I think that's very accurate. I think they've made a great hire in Brian Gable. I absolutely love that guy because I kind of look a little bit like him. But, <laughs> I mean, this team still isn't. This team still isn't. This team still isn't. You know, world beaters, right? I think a three and one is a pretty faulty record at this juncture. Daniel Jones, I don't think he's going to be the franchise quarterback. I wonder if they've already made up their mind with that. Not to say he's a terrible signal caller, but in terms of being the future of the franchise, that's tough. Saquon Barkley obviously is back. Um, the defense has been okay, but the Giants' 3-1 record's a little bit faulty. I still think I'd have them above the commanders in my power rankings right now, though. Hey, you led me into my next question, and, and the Giants maybe meet some of this criteria. So far here in the first quarter, the biggest overachiever and the biggest underachiever. Sorry, you're talking about the conference or just in, in, in the terms NFL? Of the, just in terms of the teams in the NFL overall. Yeah, I think the biggest overachiever, um, you know, might be the Miami Dolphins. I think I'm very intrigued by this team, and I love their new first-year head coach in Mike McDaniel. I think he has a legitimate case to be the coach of the year. One of the most talented run game schemers and play drawers in the world, in my opinion. And it seems like he's got this franchise back on track very quickly. So I'm interested to see what Miami does. Um, you know, they're technically ahead of the Bills right now in the AFC East, so I think that says something. Now, as for underachiever, I'm sorry, but I can't bring, I just can't help but bring up the Denver Broncos once again. I mean, this was a team that had legitimate Super Bowl aspirations once they got that quarterback in place. And I can understand why. I, when looking at this roster on paper, I thought they could be contenders as soon as they got consistency at the quarterback position. But that hasn't happened with the addition of Russell Wilson. When you're getting booed like that throughout all these home games in the early stretch of the regular season, that says something. The Broncos are the biggest underachievers in the NFL so far. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. It, it, it really is. Um, as far as Mike McDaniel, uh, listen, I, I mean, you know, everybody knows how many great head coaches <laughs> the Commanders slash Redskins organization has allowed. Mike McDaniel is just one other example, but he's under a lot of fire now for the way, you know, the whole Tua situation has worked out. Now, they quickly ruled Tua out this week. Uh, which, by all accounts, is the right thing. How do you think McDaniel has come out in the wash here? And do you blame him like some others uh, have in terms of allowing Tua to go back in that Buffalo game and then to start last Thursday night's game against Cincinnati? Or do you separate that and say, listen, man, that's on the doctors, that's on the independent neurologist, uh, the coach is just the coach, and he can just go based on what the doctors tell him. How do you, how do you work that out in the wash for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And to answer it, uh, Mike McDaniel did not come out of the wash smelling too nice, right? right. Not to say that he's the main guy to blame, but I think it said something. If you watch that press conference after the game against the Bengals, he was almost confused by the reporter's questions because everyone was talking about the concussion, right? Everyone's talking about Tua Tungabailoa, and Mike McDaniel doesn't have Twitter, so he doesn't know that he's trending every which way on social media. <laughs> yes. he, he, he basically told reporters, you know, listen, I listened to the doctors. They gave the green light. That's how the protocol works. So, you know, he has a point there, right? Mike McDaniel's not the main reason that Tua Tungabailoa started last Thursday night. 
at the same time, I think it, it's probably fair to place a little bit blame on him, right? I mean, I'm sure that he saw Tua stumble when he got hit by Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills that, of that other Sunday previous before that Thursday game. He probably saw that. And, you know, maybe another, maybe another head coach that uh, – maybe there's another head coach that would say, you know what, I, I think that he had a head injury. I don't think he should be playing. Maybe there is a coach like that. But I don't think Mike McDaniel deserves too much blame. It obviously is on that independent doctor that cleared to a tongue about Lola. It's on the Dolphins' medical staff as well. And uh, the NFL is obviously trying to make this situation right. They fired their independent guy that cleared to a tongue about Lola in the locker room. And it looks like we're going to see some changes to protocol as well since this was such a high-profile case. Jordan, we'll let you out on this. Uh, two and two teams on Sunday night. It's a good early season AFC North showdown. Bengals, Ravens. Which team is trending in the better direction going into this game coming up in Baltimore on Sunday night? Yeah, in terms of what team's trending in the better direction, it's no doubt that it's the Cincinnati Bengals, right? They, they've got a couple of wins under their belt now after a very slow start. As for the Ravens, I think they're my favorite team to watch in the NFL because on one side, they have an extremely explosive offense, but on the flip side, they have the worst defense in the entire National Football League. So you're going to see points. You're going to see excitement. And every Ravens game has really been exciting if you've watched it. So I think the Bengals are turning in the right direction. But in terms of a winner or picking it against the spread, that's very tough. Uh, I want to lean towards the Ravens, but we know that Joe Burrow has had so much success throwing against the secondary, and the Ravens' defense looks as bad as ever. So buckle in, sit down, and watch this game. It's going to be a very exciting one. Jordan, great stuff. Appreciate the visit on this Friday, and enjoy the football weekend. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. You got it. Jordan Najani from CBS Sports joining us, previewing the NFL weekend. All right, final half of the show. We're at halftime here. You know what it's going to be. Titans, Commanders, will also in the 11 o'clock hour, touch on the baseball playoffs that get underway coming up today. A lot of good storylines there. Remember, the wild cards are not single game anymore. They are best of three series. We'll do that between now and noon right here on Russell and Matt Hurst on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.